0: Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? Yeah. Woo! Woo, doing good. You look good. God, glad to see you guys. Uh, I am excited to be back. Uh, like Brooks said, the, the, our worship leader. I was gone last week too, so I don't know what happened. Uh, We didn't post a video from last week, so I honestly don't know what you guys did last week, but I hope you had a great service. I heard a lot of good stuff. Heard Pastor Andy did a good job. Can we give it up for Pastor Andy? I'm going to tell him you clapped, but not how hard, because that was not good. Uh, (laughs) I'm assuming you enjoyed him better. Anyway, Um, but... Anyway, it's good to be back. My wife and I were on vacation, and uh, several of you have asked how the vacation was. It was so good. It was so good uh, because it was a vacation. You, you guys know the difference between a trip and a vacation, don't you? A trip is when you have the kids. A vacation, come on. So when it's just you and mama, and so that was good. That was good. Uh, really enjoyed it. I will say I miss the kids, though, way more than I thought I would. And uh, I was constantly like, Nicole, have, they, have the grandparents sent you any pictures? Or it's been like five hours. What are they doing with the kids, you know? And so anyway, but they did a great job. And uh, I'll tell you one other thing, and then we're going to get into it. I ate like a middle school boy. Honest to goodness. And I was telling some of these people, you know, it's amazing how many, like, workout people we got here, gym owners, all that stuff. That's good. That's good. No, seriously, it is. It helps me. Convicts me, you know. I ate like a middle school boy, though. And I got back, and I was fully prepared for the bad news. Lay it on me, baby. Three days in a row, I have weighed, I gained 0.5. Y'all need to pray for me. I'm telling you, if I know I can eat like that and there are no repercussions. Anyway, all right, some of y'all, y'all and I'm, I'm talking to a healthy crowd. Anyway, all right. <laughs> So guys, I am excited. We are continuing on our sermon series called I Am Blessed. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the Beatitudes that are found in Matthew chapter 5. There are eight Beatitudes. And one of the things that we said early on was that we didn't want to rush through through these. We didn't want to double up any of the days. And so that means that this sermon series is just going to go on a little bit longer, than normal. And that's okay. We've been learning a lot. We've been discovering a lot. This is Jesus's teaching to us uh, from, it's the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he, this is the longest recorded sermon uh, that we have from Jesus. And and so we're learning a lot, but here's what I'm going to do today that's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to do any sermon review. by nature of the fact that it has been going on so long, uh, I, I know that some of that information is the same stuff. So I'm not going to do a sermon review. Here's what I will tell you to do. If you want any of the sermon notes, if you've missed a week or whatever, I know some of you have been on vacation as well. You can email me at this email address. I'll send you my sermon notes. Also, we, go, we do Facebook Live in a Facebook group. Uh, I will tell you that right now it is a private group. And the reason for that is it's called the Bridge Mount Olive Services. And the reason for that is we are, you know, being portable presents some challenges with being able to present quality uh, picture, quality sound. And so we're not really ready to go just public yet. But if you're away and you want to watch or if you missed a week or you want to be able to show somebody else something that you've learned in church, uh, we do. Uh, We do add people to that group. And so if you'd like to be added to that group, again, just send me an email right there and we will get you added, okay? All right, enough of that. No review today. We're jumping right in. You guys know we're in where? Verse 7. So good. Verse 7. And it says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Here's what I know about mercy. It feels inconvenient when we're asked to show it, doesn't it? When when we're the ones who we need to extend mercy to someone, it feels unnatural, it feels inconvenient, it's it's something that maybe uh, presents a little bit of trouble for you. But boy, when we need some mercy... When we're on the other end of that, it is like being parched, being out there in this heat all day and then getting a cool drink of water. There is just something about that is so refreshing about needing mercy and finding it available to you. And so we see right here, Jesus teaches, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So we show mercy because we know at some point We're going to need some mercy. We're going to need some mercy. One of the things that kind of trips us up sometimes is there's two words in the Bible that we really use synonymously. Grace and mercy. We say them together all the time. But there is a little bit of difference between the two. They are different words. There is a little bit of difference. Let me show you the definition for each one of these words so that you'll know exactly what we're talking about today. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, while grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. It's kind of similar even still, isn't it? I want to encourage you, write that down, take a picture. Let me, let me explain it to you even further. Uh, if you if you watch any court TV or, or you watch documentaries on court stuff, one of the things that you've probably heard before is there is this saying, it's called throwing yourself at the mercy of the court. I'm going to throw myself at the mercy of the court. And here's what that means. The, the idea there is, I'm the defendant. I know I'm guilty. And I believe if all of the evidence is presented... That this jury will then know I'm guilty too. They, they will understand that that, that it's going to be plain to the judge, it's going to be plain to the jury. And so what you do is, this is something people do. They throw themselves at the mercy of the court, and the idea is, hey hey, I, I'll tell you I'm guilty. And I'm throwing myself at the mercy of the court. And what I'm asking is, I believe that if the jury sees the evidence, if the judge sees the evidence, you're going to know I'm guilty too. So I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste the judge's time. I don't want to waste anybody's time here. And so, Your Honor, I'd like to throw myself at the mercy of the court. What you're hoping for is... The, the judge takes that into account and when he goes to sentence you, he's going to give you a lighter, a lighter sentence. He's not going to hit you as hard as he would if you hadn't confessed. It, because hopefully there's some idea and there's some understanding that, okay, I did wrong. I know I did wrong. I, I've been caught. Now it's time for me to do my time. And so you throw yourself at the mercy of the court. That's mercy. We were owed something but God doesn't give us something that we deserve. Let me tell you a story from my personal life. A couple months ago, I went to pick up my oldest son. I went to pick up both my boys at daycare and uh, I I get to my oldest son's room and I find out that he's on a yellow light. You, You virtually never get on a red light. Let me just tell you how this system works. To get on a red light, I don't, I don't even know what you got to do because nobody's ever on a red light. You got to like go to the daycare director. It's, it's bad. If you ever get a red light, your kid may have a demon or something. We don't know. <laughs> Green light, everything's good. Yellow light, here's what that means. There are different severities of yellow light. And so my son will tell you, if you get a yellow light, you get spanks or Pops that's just what happens because you have to have discipline you have to know that you can't just go and act any old way at school and and so really there's such a wide range of yellow light and the infraction involved that it really varies what the discipline that's required here's what happened I go there get him it's a yellow light found out the infraction wasn't that bad it had been months since he had had a yellow light and so I said we got home and I said buddy And he hates spanks and Pops. And I hate giving him spanks and Pops. And so I said, buddy, daddy's going to have mercy on you. Daddy's going to have mercy. We have some friends, and they do this. They're all into this book called Creative Correction. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay. All right. My wife has. All right. Good. (laughs) Creative Correction. And so the idea, the premise is, That You don't just correct the child in the same way every time. That The child is going to learn better if you kind of mix up the correction, if you give them a choice. So you do two, you offer them two bits of discipline that are both, you know, supposed to be equal. And then you let the child pick. And so that's what I did that night. I forget what the choices were, but Mason decided he wanted to go to bed 45 minutes early. So that was mercy. That was mercy. He deserved spanks or Pops. He got to go to bed a little bit early. He had to go to bed a little bit earlier, but still he was relieved with that punishment. And so that was mercy. Now let me tell you about grace. Before he had to go to bed, about 7 o'clock, daddy wanted some ice cream. And so I said, buddy, come in here. Didn't want to eat ice cream in front of him. Grace was, he got something he didn't deserve. He had been naughty that day, he didn't deserve ice cream, and yet we gave him ice cream anyway. And so, all right, so that's, that's the difference between grace and mercy, and I thought about just leaving the story there because that illustrates the point, but I, I need to round this one out for you. The next day, I go to pick him up from daycare, and he's on a yellow light again. That has never happened in the history of his life. <laughs> never has he been on a yellow light two days in a row. And so I go and pick him up and we just don't discipline our kids in front of people. Try, we try not to discipline our kid. We try to you know, do it at home. We don't embarrass them. And so I haven't talked to him about this latest infraction and what's coming up, but I'm getting him in the car, just got landing in, getting him in my truck, I'm buckling him in. And this little guy, he is leaned back, hands behind his head, he said, Dad, I think I'll go to bed early tonight. <laughs> I said, let me tell you something. There is no mercy available tonight. I'm getting justice tonight, baby. We might be making up for what happened last night. Anyway, so that's the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is, I don't get something that I deserve. Grace is, I get something I don't deserve. Mercy is a theme all throughout Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, it is in the totality of the Bible. I want to show you in the, in the New Testament, uh, which is toward the back of your Bible, uh, the Greek word for mercy is the word elio, And it means to show compassion by word or deed. To show compassion by word or deed. In the Old Testament, it is the word chesedith. Chesedith. And and it means ability to get inside someone else's skin. It's the ability to get inside someone else's skin. When I know how it feels to walk a mile in their shoes, when I try to feel what they're feeling, when I try to see it from someone else's perspective, that is mercy. And so when you put that New Testament understanding and the Old Testament understanding together, the definition that I really like, the thing that I think uh, we're seeing here is that mercy is love in action. It's it's love in action. It is what God wants us to do. He wants us to look with a loving perspective. In the 145th Psalm, verses 8 and 9, it says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful. Don't don't skip over that. The Lord is mercy. He is the epicenter of mercy. All mercy started and originated with him. The Lord is merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made course, he made everything on heaven and earth. He made you and me. That means that his mercy is on us. That when he looks at us, he is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. Why? Because he is merciful. He is merciful. And so what I want to talk about today is I want to show us three ways to know if we are merciful if we have the same mercy flowing through us that has come to us from the father three ways to know if you're merciful the marks of mercy the marks of mercy so here's number 1 here's number 1 if i'm merciful i will be patient with those who are peculiar if i'm merciful i'm going to be patient with those who are peculiar When I put that, you'll you'll notice a little bit later in the sermon, I've got some alliteration going on. That's something us preachers do. Try to help you remember it. Plus, we like to do it, I think. But anyway, that word peculiar, that, that really could be more along the lines of what Rick Warren talks about with EGR. There are just some people in your life that are extra grace required. When you're going to be around them, you've got to kind of gear up. You know what I'm saying? Anybody got any people like that in your life? You got it, yeah. The ones who aren't raising their hand, you might be the peculiar ones. We don't, you know, we... Nice people, well-meaning people. It just, for for whatever reason, their personality and your personality, it's like oil and water. It's like oil and water. You, You just, you need to have some extra grace when you get around these people. And what happens is these people are like sandpaper in your life. These people are like sandpaper. So whenever you're around them, if you have the wrong perspective, here's what you're going to think. You're going to think, man, they just wear me down. Man, they are constantly, it's just like never ending. And and you've seen, if you've ever sanded anything, all over the floor around you, all around you, is sawdust. It is the wood being rubbed away, but but that's the wrong perspective. See, I think people, I think God brings people like that in our life because he wants to produce character in us. He wants to produce perseverance and patience. There is some things God is working in us, and so God will bring people around us that are not like us, and they're sandpaper, but The right perspective is not that they're wearing us down, but that they are finishing us. They are perfecting us. Just like sandpaper brings out the finished product of a piece of wood, in the same way God is working on us. He is refining our character. Look at what it says in James 2.13. So you must show mercy to others. Read this next part with me. Or God will not show mercy to you. I don't like that, but there it is. You you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Hear me ladies and gentlemen. One day there is coming a judgment day and every knee will bow. You will bow before the Lord either because He is your Savior or because He is sovereign. But for one of two reasons, you and I will bow. The question is, will the Lord stand us up? The question is, will He say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and enter into my rest. One of the ways that we know He will stand us up is if we are merciful to others, then we will be able to stand before God we'll be able to stand. So we have to be patient with the peculiar. Tell you another story. I was in a furniture store a couple years ago. It's been five or six years ago. And uh, I'm third in line. And it is taking for I am so frustrated, and I waited, and I tried to be patient, and I'm trying my best, and I am getting so frustrated, and this poor lady, not only is she checking out customers, but she is being called, she's asked to answer the phones too, and so she's making us as the customers who are right there in front of her, she's making us wait while she answers the phone, and so I get on my phone, and I'm just scrolling. Trying my best, stay calm, just you're not in a big hurry. Just and I wait and I wait and I wait. And she manages to check out one customer. And I'm at this point thinking, Do you need the manager? Do, do you need another register? What is going on? And it was at that point, one other customer in front of me, she looks up and she realizes, Oh, you're there. hey, Pastor Andrew. Woo! (laughs) Let me act like I got some sense. And so I I calmed down. I said, I'm just going to. And I'm sitting there looking at her. I'm reading her name tag. And I'm thinking, I don't know who she is. I don't even think I've ever seen her before. Ain't no way this girl goes to our church. And so I get up there. Here's the thing. She said, Pastor Andrew, I really enjoyed your sermon this past week. Well, that was at a time when I was preaching once every every couple months. So for her to know that, she really was following along with the church. And so I, I just asked her, I said, now remind me what your name is. Where where have we met? Where? And she said, actually, we've never met. Woo-hoo. We've never met. I've moved here with my grandfather. My grandfather is in poor health. He can't get out of the house. He, he didn't have enough to live on with just social security. And so I've moved in. I'm working this job to try to help make ends meet. And a couple months ago, he was telling me about how he missed going to church. That's one of the things that he missed about his lack of, of mobility and lack of being able to get outside the home And so I remembered somebody was in the store earlier that week and they told me that the bridge had an online service. And so we went online and and we've been watching ever since. And now every week after service, we, we turn the computer off and we talk about the sermon. And she said, it's been so great. It's been so great because there's just so much we don't have in common. And this is something that now we do have in common and we can talk about the sermon. And I've never been in church. I've never read my Bible, and so this has been so good, it was at that moment, I said, oh my goodness, well, we're going to be praying for you, and I, I wrote her name, and I said, we're going to be praying for you, and I tell you what, my email address is this, and she wrote down, I said, if you can ever come to the service, email me, and my wife and I will sit with you, I know you don't know anybody there, and we, we want to be there for you, and, I got in my vehicle that day, and I thought, thank you, Lord. It was just one of those ministry moments that you'll never forget. And I thought, thank you, Lord, that I was not impatient with her right before that happened. Hear me, guys. We need to be patient because we're all a little peculiar. We all have stuff going on. You never know, like Pastor Ivan was saying earlier, you never know what somebody else is going through, the, the trials that they're facing at home. So we, we've got to be patient with the peculiar. Number two, if I'm merciful, I will, be, I will forgive those who have fallen. If I'm merciful, I will forgive those who have fallen. If you've worked at a job long enough, You've come in and not done the, pro- the project correctly. You've been late for a meeting. Something happened and you, you didn't do a good job. If you've been in a relationship long enough, there was an expectation and somewhere along the way, you didn't meet it. We have all fallen. I mean, I'm, I'm giving examples, but insert your real life experience right there. We have all fallen from time to time. And I got to tell you, there is nothing more humbling than falling. And it is in that moment when we fall that God can teach us and reach us in a way that he couldn't before we fell. So merciful people forgive. We learn how to forgive when someone's fallen. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's what God's calling us to do is to forgive as the Lord forgave us. I can't do that on my own and you can't either. We need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. And so Jesus, while he was on this earth, he actually gave us a teaching about what it means to be merciful, what it means to forgive like God forgives. It's found in Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21, it says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter thinks he's being incredibly generous. He's like, Lord, Come on, three strikes, you're out, but, but I'm going to double that and then add one. And so, Lord, aren't you proud of me? It, what if I forgave seven times? And Jesus goes on to say, no, not seven times, but 77 times. In other translations, it says 70 times seven. It doesn't matter about the mathematical number, because what Jesus is saying is, Every time a person stands in need of forgiveness, if you're gonna forgive like I forgive, they'll find forgiveness. You're gonna be a forgiver. It won't be past tense. It is is gonna have to be always constant, always active in order to be a forgiver, in order to be a person who forgives and forgive like the Lord forgave us. And so what happens next is Jesus launches into this, this parable it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And here's what happens. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, this is verse 23, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. I was going to look up gold then versus gold now and do it. Doesn't matter. This guy owes an amount that he will never be able to repay. If he works the rest of his life, he cannot repay this amount. And so he was brought before the king, verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered he and his wife and his children and all that he had be able be sold to repay the debt. Ladies and gentlemen, it was going to be a drop in the bucket. It was, it was not going to come anywhere close to, the, to what he owed. But that's what the master ordered. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So he completely exonerates him of all charge. He completely forgives him. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. He owed him like a hundred bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison and he'll, until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told the master everything that had happened. So you follow on? There's a king. He forgives servant A. Tremendous debt, a debt that was completely unrepayable. Servant A immediately goes and finds servant B. Guy owes him some money. Says, you owe me a little bit of money. Pay it back now. The guy can't. He's, he, he completely is unmerciful. Verse 32. Then the master called the servant in, Servant A. You wicked servant, he said. I can't sold all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then this next verse is the key verse, verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Here's Jesus in the flesh teaching these disciples, unless you learn to forgive, this is what's going to happen to you. Unless you learn to be merciful. Guys, this parable takes on added significance when we realize We are the ones. That was us. We owed a debt that we could not repay. And Jesus died on the cross for us in our place, forgave us completely, and now we stand exonerated. Now we stand justified before God. Our debt has been forgiven. How dare we go out and find one of God's children. That's what we don't realize, we're God's children, but how dare we go out and find another human being who is also God's child and not forgive them. Just like this wicked servant did, that's what happens. That is a picture of my life and your life when we refuse to show mercy. Last one, number three. If I'm merciful, I will help those who are hurting. I'll help those who are hurting. Ladies and gentlemen, we've said it a couple times already. There are those of us here this morning who are hurting. And, and we come to church and we put on that big smile and we get fine itis. us. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not. And we've got on our church clothes and we look in the part and saying the right thing. But really and truly, we are not fine. Some of us, when we're hurting, we're vocal about it. Oh, my goodness. I would be so embarrassed if my wife came up here and told you the way I act when I'm sick. I am needy. I'm just needy, and I'm very vocal about it. This gift that God's given me to be able to speak, I have it a double portion when I'm sick. And I want sympathy and I want attention and I want a bell. (laughs) I'm still working on the bell part. But there are those of us that when we're hurting, we're not vocal. And you're here today and there's a tender area in your life. And there's something you don't bring up. And you try your best not to let other people know about. But I'm telling you, we would be surprised just like that girl at the furniture store we would be surprised if we knew everything that all of us were dealing with and so one of the things we say all the time is that we want to be a hospital for the hurting like that's what we feel like god has called us to be here at the church that's what we strive to do is we want to be a hospital for the hurting hurts come in all different shapes and sizes and we want to be able to minister to people when they're hurting. Not because we're so good, but because we know the healer. Because we know the great physician. It's Jesus. And so if you are hurting, you're in the best place to be. You're in church. You're in his presence. But guys, the only way that we can be a hospital for the hurting is if we take on as a personal motto, if we take on as a personal point of view John Wesley's life motto. Very famous quote. You've probably seen it before. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. If we would do that, if, if we would make it our personal mission to do all the good we can, when we can, where we can, to whom we can, we would be showing mercy. We would be love in action. Let me tell you how it worked for John Wesley. John Wesley made this his life, life's motto and then he rode around on horseback all over Great Britain, all over Ireland, preaching Jesus he's known as the horseback preacher he would preach outside and then he he would start what he called little societies we would call them bridge groups life groups he got people together he said all right now I'm leaving town I'm going to preach over here but you guys continue meeting together you meet in a home you read the word you you fellowship with one another you be there for each other when one has a need and he started all these little societies all over Great Britain and Ireland. And the result is tens of thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ. Because John Wesley had it as his life motto, I'm gonna be love in action. I'm gonna do all I can. But I'm scared that for a lot of us today, in this culture, it's easier to be comfortable. It's easier to pursue comfort. It's easier to find a seat and not do much. (coughs) Flip Wilson, he's a comedian. He was asked one time if he was religious. He said, "I'm a Jehovah bystander. (laughs) Not Jehovah Witness. I'm not really doing anything, but I do kind of go sometimes." And I, it is far easier not to show mercy. Far easier. I think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm saying this in closing. See, there's my closing music right there. That's how you know. Luke chapter 10, parable of the Good Samaritan. You know this story. There's a guy on a trip. Robbers come, take his clothes, take everything he's got, beat him, leave him for dead. Priest comes by, doesn't do anything. Religious person comes by. Doesn't do anything. And Jesus continues on with the story, but then came a Samaritan. And Jesus said, He was a neighbor to this man. And the way we know He was a neighbor to this man is because He sprang into action. He was mercy in action, He was love in action. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the challenge to us. Here today, will we be merciful? Will we show love to all the people we can, as long as we can, where we can? Remember, remember the Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is hard. God, it is easy to be self-absorbed it's easy to worry not even self-absorbed it's easy just to to kind of get lost and, and to be focused about what's going on in our lives and and just have just to have the focus in the wrong place and so lord i believe that you are challenging our hearts here today to be like that good samaritan to be like john wesley to be love in action to show other people mercy We have received so much mercy from you. You you forgave us. When we were still yet sinners, you gave your life for us. And now that we have been shown the greatest example of mercy ever, God, help us to pay it forward. Show us opportunities. Help us to be aware. God, bring. I pray that the Holy Spirit would create awareness in us God, that we wouldn't be content just to just to go around and just to be concerned about people and say, I'll pray for you, but that we would spring into action, that we would love because you've loved us. Lord, help us do it. I pray for each and every person here this morning who's hurting. I just sense, I don't, as I was preparing this week, God, I just sense that. That you were going to bring some people here today who were dealing with some stuff. Dead relationships. Problems at work. Just just hurts. I don't think it's a coincidence that Pastor Ivan brought it up either. God, I pray that those people would understand this morning how loved they are by you. That it may take some time to heal that there may be a lesson that you have for them in this time, something you're trying to show them or or you're trying to get them to be still long enough to, to listen to you. I just want to pray for them. I've gone through seasons of hurt myself and it's tough. God, I pray that you would show yourself mighty and powerful. I pray that you would help them through this time. Lord, our eyes are on you. We love you so much. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said.